Hello and welcome to Retro Game Audio. My name is Patrick. And I'm Steve. And uh, Steve, what are we not talking about today? Uh, the Famicom Disk System. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we were going to do an episode about the Famicom Disk System today, uh, but we decided to save that for next week. Uh, we were in the middle of doing research for it, and I was doing this like, project where I was ripping a lot of Famicom Disk System instruments from the games. And while I was doing that, I was actually learning a lot about it. Uh, and it's sort of like, oh, I should actually do more of this before we do the episode. Um, you know, it's just, it was, we we're doing research and learning more, like, as we were ready to record. It's like, oh, we shouldn't rush this sort of thing. So, no, yeah, there's, there's so much. I mean, well, you should, everyone should, out there should be pretty excited. I think what we, uh, especially what Patrick found is, is really crazy. So, cool. Thank you. Um, I'm excited about it too. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, what we're, we're doing an episode more like the Gordian Tomb episode, where this is just considered like kind of like an in between sort of episode thing. Um, so I wanted to share something I thought was really cool, which is the uh, Zan Gear uh, soundtrack for the Sega Game Gear. Um, it's a game th- whose soundtrack is composed by Motoi Sakuraba primarily. You know, he's a very well-known video game composer, very talented, has lots of uh, awesome music from a wide variety of platforms. And assisting him uh, as well on the soundtrack was Masaki Uno. Um, so he did a couple of the tracks for, uh, I guess, the original Zan Gear uh, or Zan Game. Uh, Zan is like a series. Zan Gear being the Game Gear version, they put the word "gear" in there, obviously, because right. You know. uh, <laughs> right. And so it's like it's like one of those typical uh, like kind of feudal Japan kind of games, similar to Nobunaga's uh, Ambition. Right. Uh, kind of, and I, I've watched some of the gameplay; it looks very similar to that. So yeah, the original version of this game is on the Sharp uh, 68K. And uh, it's kind of funny that we're, like, celebrating the Sega Game Gear version, because I I would expect that, like, (laughs) I would assume that most uh, fans of the soundtrack are probably fans of, like, the higher quality original version, not, like, this, like, lo-fi port of it. Um, But, uh, you know, it's it's very well arranged for it, I think. And uh, I did a thing before where I was digging through the library of Sega Game Gear soundtracks, and uh, it's not a system I had growing up. You know, I played a little bit of it like at friends houses and stuff um but overall i didn't really have like a nostalgia for the library of game gear music so i was kind of going through blind just going soundtrack after soundtrack and there wasn't a lot that stood out to me uh there was some sonic music i liked uh there's some other stuff that was pretty good um but you know i got to the end of the library pretty much and found zan gear and i was like oh wow like this is really really good chiptune music um and you know little did i know it wasn't original it's it's a port that they did but uh it's i think it stands out as one of the best sega game gear soundtracks so uh that's why i want to share it yeah no it it really is i mean and like again uh if if the master systems library is limited um you know the game gear is a little bit even more limited and again i think the game gears library is underrated and i think that there's a lot of titles out there that people I uh, haven't played or just, you know, it, it doesn't have that same appeal as Game Boy. And, you know, right. of course, that means that the music is less heard. Um, what complicates this, too, is the Zan series and Zan Gear was Japanese only. Yes. So there was no chance that you heard this either. So um, other other than you kind of digging around and, you know, it, we all like I don't know about anyone out there, but, you know, looking at Japanese soundtracks, sometimes they're Im- even impossible to find because, you know, of the translations and blah, blah, blah. You know, so some soundtracks like, you know, it's good that we can find Gear, but there's, you know, plenty of other soundtracks that, you know, especially from this era uh, from like 88, 89, 90 that are just gone. <laughs> Like, we know the game was made, but, like, who has a copy of that game anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, especially if it was from Japan. Yeah, and you mentioned, like, 88, 89. Like, that's, that's when this game came out was uh, 89, I believe. 
And uh, so this is actually like amongst the earliest uh, video game music that Motoi Sakuraba did, right? Yeah, it actually is. Um, and it's interesting. Yeah, I think he started in 88 with uh, yeah. Wolf. Yeah, so that, that would be kind of where he started. So this kind of, you know, he begins his career or it's kind of the very beginning of his career, which was largely like, you know, and we and anyone who knows his library, his very beginning of his career was largely FM based. I mean, a lot of his stuff was for the X68K. Um, and I think it's really interesting that you can see how his career kind of spans things, like kind of goes from, you know, the very simple and uh, well, FM is not exactly simple, but right. um, kind of that simple, uh, simpler sounding, perhaps more electronic sounding to basically like lush strings. I thought it was really interesting, too, because Motoy and like uh, we uh, Patrick and I were talking about this before the show. Motoy is completely self-taught, um, which you know, I, I I always thought he went to music school or something. Yeah, I would assume that because like a lot of music is very technical. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredibly technical, so it doesn't strike me as like the self-taught musician type style as much. I mean, I, I guess that sort of story is not that unusual. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's still it's just you hear the type of music he makes. Like I would assume that's someone who went to music school. Yeah, it, it, and you know, I mean, there's plenty of guys. You're exactly right. There's plenty of guys who have, didn't go to music school and, that can do this kind of stuff. It just means he has a very good ear. Yeah, uh, and he has a very particular style. I think anyone out there can agree that if you've heard Motoy, uh, a Motoy Sakuraba soundtrack, you know it's him. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's pretty identifiable. Um, so he's he got his start basically, and I, I have a lot of the older CDs. I've kind of collected his older CDs and oh, catalogs. Cool, cool. Yeah, like through eBay and Amazon, some weird places. One of the CDs I have is from his old band, Deja Vu, um, which is kind of, uh, you know, him kind of at the front. You know, it's, it's very interesting. There's videos of it on YouTube. Um, and so what, what's interesting about it, though, is that, um, you know, his career kind of spans, you know, starting in this whole, like, it's a progressive rock band. It's like progressive rock mindset. And that kind of spills out into his actual music. Uh, in games. And I always thought that was really interesting. Like he started as progressive rock and it's like some of that music actually just ends up in games like 20 years later. So I wanted to play an example here that was from Deja Vu. It's called Prelude. Okay. And then we're going to juxtapose that with uh, Star Ocean 3's Highbrow. And I want you to hear, uh, (laughs) I want you to take a listen and see if anything sounds familiar. Oh, that's neat. You can definitely hear the similarity in style. And you have, you know, the former is a prog rock band music from the 80s. And then that highbrow track is what? That's a PS2 game? Yeah, uh, 2002, 2001. I think it's 2002. And it's interesting, too, um, because he also did a live version of that album. And he does that uh, with solo piano at the beginning, the highbrow. he does uh, with solo piano, so it's even more apparent <laughs> that he's using some kind of similar chords there. I just thought that was pretty neat. I mean, and so like you can kind of hear just even in those examples, he goes from having like a you know his the band and then kind of doing a PS2 uh, soundtrack, you know, where he can kind of use his own samples and sounds. But you know, I also kind of mentioned that he started a little bit on FM, and that's kind of where he was. So uh, one of my favorite uh, Motoy FM soundtracks is actually Soul Dece or Soul Feast, depending on where you're from or what version you're right. using. I don't know how we can mess the translation up that bad, you know, F and D, but that's okay, I guess. So here's <laughs> a track from uh, Soul Dece for the uh, X68K. Mm-hmm. 
Cool, very cool. Yeah, the, the sound uh, quality is a little bit more in line with the um, original version of the Zan soundtrack, which we'll listen to in a moment. Um, yeah, one of my favorite... I, I'm not as familiar with his works like uh, as you are. Not even close, mm-hmm. I should say. Um, <laughs> but I am a huge fan of the uh, Dark Souls series. All, oh, yeah, all the Souls yeah. games. and uh, mm-hmm. He composed Dark Souls 1, and he, there's this uh, the final boss theme, Gwyn's theme, is this tune that's arranged for two pianos. And it's this very cool tune here. I'll just uh, play a little bit of it here. Yeah, it's a very cool track, and I would say that some of the moodiness you hear in there is actually going to come through in this music we're going to listen to—the Zangir music. It, it, it's yeah, it's it's cool to hear that because like you know, uh, in a lot of like his live versions, because he like he performs live too, and he can basically anything you hear in the, his soundtracks, he can play it live, and it sounds basically the same, which is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that reminds me a lot of—I mean, I'm not—I uh, played Dark Souls, but I haven't played it enough, obviously, mm-hmm. but. Um, no, that reminds me a lot of some of his kind of like piano interludes that he kind of plays between tunes when he's playing live. Oh, okay. Um, it, it's very reminiscent of that, like very, very deep layers and very, very like kind of, uh, I would say like lush in its own particular way. Ah, very um, cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so the original version of Zan Kaguru no Toki for the Sharp 68K came out in 1989. And, uh, but, you know, of course, we're going to be playing the Game Gear soundtrack uh, in a moment. Um, I, I think it was a really well-ported soundtrack, and Steve, you actually managed to find a link here from an interview with him where he talks about that process. Uh, Steve, what do you have to say about porting music to the Game Gear? So it's interesting. Um, I'll just kind of read from the excerpt here. Uh, this is actually on uh, Schmucklations, the I guess it's like a blog or something, and this is an excerpt from uh, a book, uh, Soda uh, Game Music o Kikuo which I guess means like listening to game music or yes, this is game music basically. Okay. Um, so here's, here's uh, the question that was posed and how uh, Sakuraba uh, responded. So here's the question uh, for the game gear version of Xan. I understand that the original songs were compressed so they could work in a mobile game format. I guess he's referring to the game gears SN uh, PS or the PSG chip basically. Right. Um, but what were some of the difficulties you had porting music to a system with so few sound channels? I just want to say flat out that it's amazing that someone asked this question. You know, just, yeah, you know, like, it's really, like... <laughs> really handy for us, too, because, again, yeah. most people interested in the soundtrack, I'm sure, are interested in, in the original version, not the version mm-hmm. that, you know, I became obsessed with. Uh, so, you no. know, shout out to the uh, interviewer for, you know, taking an yeah, interest in I, that. I, I... I definitely have to look into this uh, book more. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting on a tangent sure, here. Sure. Uh, so Sakuraba responds, yeah, in fact, it was quite difficult writing music like that. There were only three channels, so I tried to focus on having each channel stand out. One for melody, one for bass, and then a backing part. For example, if I wanted more backing polyphony in a certain phrase, I'd have to turn the volume up on this part here, but it had to be done subtly so the listener wouldn't notice it. There were lots of detail work like that. I actually think writing music for only three channels is much more complex than writing normal music. 
Yeah, and he knocked it out. I mean, it's technically four channels because the fourth is noise, but he's talking about melodically, you know, three melodic yeah, channels. Melodically. I, that, yeah, melodically. And I think that the, he he's definitely someone who would think of it in terms of melodic and, you know, like the noise doesn't really count. Yeah, it doesn't It doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just a bit of percussion, right? Yeah. Um, and I just, it's just amazing, like, you know, that someone back then, at, like, would think to ask him this particular question. Because, um, you know, I, obviously, so if uh, Masaki Uno was the person who was helping him with this, it from this quote, it appears that Sakuraba was in charge of the Game Gear version himself. So yeah. it sounds like he was the one who was translating it. He was actually programming it for uh, Game Gear himself. So that's it's great that we know that in particular and that this question was asked. So, yeah, because that was uh, something I wondered about before we were getting ready to record mm-hmm. this episode because, yeah. you know, I, I discovered the Game Gear soundtrack first. I saw it was credited mm-hmm. to, to him, so I just assumed it was him. Then I found out it was a port of another game and that that soundtrack was split. So it got to a point where it's like, oh, I don't even know if he was involved with the port here. But yeah, he did it mm-hmm. himself. So um, that's great. And uh, again, yeah, I think this is just a really fantastic soundtrack. Uh, Steve has mentioned probably a couple times before in the podcast that like through composed music is not that common in older video game music. Oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. especially for like the lower fi like chiptune, like the earlier video game music. Um, I don't think you're going to find much other uh, Game Gear music like this, where you have like four minute long songs where it just goes through section after section, you know, before repeating. There are longer tunes. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's cool. It's funny. I found one review of the soundtrack that's like has a few sort of criticisms of it. I guess they're talking about the arranged version because they did release an arranged version as well. Um, okay. which has a bunch more people involved, um, all sorts of well-known players. Uh, there's Noriyuki Iwadare is on there, mm-hmm. um, which... Oh, cool. Yeah, he's the guy who did War Song, right? Or Langrisser, mm-hmm. whatever it's called? Yeah, Langrisser, uh, Lunar, uh, Grandia, I'm, uh, I guess lately Radiata Stories, uh grandia three yeah he's uh, he's yeah he's great he's one of my oh wow yeah so there's there's all sorts of um hands you know involved in the arranged version of the zan music um but it's funny in the review here there's a few criticisms um here i'll just read a quote wolf team member masake uno helps motoi sakuraba with the soundtrack but his contributions are unfortunately a mixed bag decisive battle has a lot of build-up but it doesn't really sound like a traditional battle theme it has an atmosphere of suspense throughout and it's a bit sedate overall it's funny, though, because, like, and there's a few criticisms. I'll link the review in the show notes. He has a few sort yeah. of criti- criticisms like that throughout. Uh, but, like, mm-hmm. everything he's talking about, I feel like, are strengths of the way the music yeah. is composed. It's, like, I'm I'm glad that certain songs in there aren't sort of traditional battle themes. Like, the songs mm-hmm. do have movements. They have these sections where it's very triumphant. There's sections that are very melancholy. Uh and it's just the sort of switching between like tension and triumph throughout the soundtrack. Yeah. And it's just, it's really great to have like these strong themes that sort of flow and, and go through different emotions. And that's, that's what you'll hear throughout the soundtrack is definitely like a flowing of emotions. I think it's really well done. And I think that that, you know, kind of the warring states period is kind of, you know, and a lot of the other games that you play between these and, you know, I'm thinking of like Romance of Three Kingdoms and just that, like, you know, the atmosphere is really important and like just a lot of like traditional music, uh, and having like a traditional, you know, in, in the sense of Japanese traditional music. Um, so that that kind of vibe is there. And, you know, I, I think that that's what's kind of appreciated. Like if I'm thinking of like the general music that plays during any of the uh, uh, Nobunaga's Ambition games. And 
it, it's all kind of atmospheric, you know. And then when you fight, it, ha- it plays the fighting theme. And then, but you know, in general, during upkeep and during phases, you're just kind of sitting there, and you know, you're you're delegating, and it, and it plays different kinds of like music. And even then, the war, you know, kind of it has more emotion to it. And mm-hmm. I think it's a very emotional time. It's a very emotional. It, it's supposed to be that way. And to be fair, I mean, we are listening to the Game Gear version, and this guy's criticizing the arranged version of the soundtrack, so who knows if maybe there's some differences there. But uh, yeah, I want to play a little, before we jump into the final segment of the show, where we're just going to play the entire Game Gear soundtrack throughout, uh, to give some reference here, I want to play a little bit of the Sharp 68K soundtrack. Uh, let's give that a listen. Yeah, this music is great. <laughs> no, it's awesome. Yeah, the the, the YM two one five one is yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. So cool. It's glad I've got to like research this soundtrack a bit more because I wanted to share it as you know for a sort of in between episode like we're doing now because it's something I liked a lot, but I didn't know the history of it or I didn't really know much about it before. Um, so finding like the interview links that you found and listening more closely to the original was great. So. When I used to run my old blog, it was really great to just kind of dive into like one particular soundtrack and just, you know, just for listening purposes and just also kind of like finding out the history behind it. Because there's all this, you know, like I was saying kind of earlier, there, there's all this stuff that we are not, you know, we how would we know about this soundtrack? How would we know anything, you know, we right. it, it wasn't released here. So, uh, you know, just doing this research, you kind of start connecting all these dots about like, you know, all this music we've never heard. I mean, most people probably, the average person who consumes game music probably doesn't know anything about the PC-88 or the X-68K. Right. You know, and that's, that's a fairly so, deep, a, deep dive, especially to uh, like an American. Yeah. 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 And so it's, it's just kind of cool to point out, you know, some of these kind these kinds of games, um, you know, and so, yeah, it's great to find soundtracks like this and it's great to share them too. Definitely. So yeah, we're just going to play here the entire Xan gear soundtrack for the Sega game gear. And thank you for listening to retro game audio.